Hi, I'm Liz from Liz Gets Loaded. That's the money kind of loaded, but this is the show where I sit in my closet, drink wine, and talk about money and anxiety. I have both. Hi, I did it. I bought a new car even after I tried to talk myself out of it. Then I talked myself back into it. So this is the episode where I will give you the whole scoop. What kind of car I bought and how much it cost and what I'm doing with the other car and how I feel about switching to an EV and my plans for charging and all that stuff. So if those are the kinds of things that you're interested in, then you are in the right place. And I will preface all of this by saying, what am I trying to say? My privilege is showing. Like it is a, it's a great position to be in, to be able to, I was going to say, go buy a a new car on a whim. Obviously that's not true because this was not a whim because I first, like literally one of my very first episodes more than a year ago was about how I wanted to get a new car. And then I did another episode about how I wanted a new car, but I wasn't going to get a new car three or four months ago. And then I just, anyways, it happened. So, uh, if Someone buying an expensive car is going to make you roll your eyes. Just know that I am already rolling my eyes at myself. I'm right there with you. I didn't need this, but I'm very happy with the purchase. So let me actually tell you some things. First of all, I was 100% influenced by my peers to purchase this car. And I will tell you about two things that happened that led me to the car buying decision. Number one, I drove a friend's car. Had to have been more than a year ago. For just a few minutes, this was just a logistical thing. We needed to move a car from one place to the other. I ended up driving my friend's car and it had what's called a head up display. And it's so cool. (laughs) And it projects information onto your windshield, but in a way that makes it look like it's hovering out in front of your car. It's so cool. And so it'll show you the, your current speed and the speed limit and your next navigation thing and all kinds of stuff. And so it's really great because you're looking at the road You're not even having to look down at your dashboard. You don't have to take your eyes off the road to see this information. And I just drove my friend's car for maybe 10 minutes and it had this feature. And I out loud, I went, whoa, this is cool. And so I wanted this in my next car, influenced. The second thing that happened is I was chatting with another friend of mine who already drives an EV, an electric vehicle. And she made a comment that just hadn't really occurred to me. Like, oh yeah, there's no maintenance. Like there's no oil changes. I just hadn't known that before. And I was like, whoa, I want that. (laughs) And then I had heard some additional stories on public radio too, actually about how the growth of the EV market is affecting the car maintenance industry, which I thought was really interesting. And I really dislike the, what am I trying to say? The, the uncertainty that comes when you take your car in. So you might remember, I don't drive very much. We take our car in like once a year for maintenance because we don't even hit like the mileage to get an oil change except once a year. And so we take it in once a year for like, just do whatever needs to be done. And this time we took it in and it was like $4,000 just something about shocks and struts and something else. I don't know. I don't remember. And now that I'm saying it, I'm like, wait, do EVs have shocks and struts? I don't know. But (laughs) I was reading a little bit about this. Like an internal combustion engine, a regular gas engine has 200 moving parts and an electric car has like 17 moving parts. So it's just a much simpler machine. If you want more technical information about how EVs work, the maintenance and how they're different from gas cars, this is not, this is not where you will find that. Uh, 
I have Googled it and I have listened to my friend. So those are the two things. I drove my friend's car with a head up display. I was like, this is rad. And then a friend of mine made an offhand comment about how there's basically no maintenance, very little maintenance on her EV. And I was like, well, that sounds rad. So that was, that was my criteria. I went into the process thinking, okay, I want an EV and I want one that has a head-up display. And just with those two criteria, it really narrows it down a lot. I might be missing one here, but basically there were four cars, a Hyundai, a Kia, a BMW, and an Audi. And I think actually maybe there's a Mercedes EV that has a head-up display as well. Now, like any red-blooded American, I have a lot of strong opinions about cars and brands, and I have strong associations with certain car brands. I've said this before. I don't want to be driving around in a BMW or a Mercedes. Just for better or for worse, I don't like what that projects into the world. I also don't want to be driving around in a Hyundai or a Kia. For better or worse, I don't like what that projects into the world. I don't like that about myself. I don't think that's a great quality that I have that I'm willing to buy a different car purely based on the brand and not just objectively look at the features and the cost. But that's where we are. (laughs) And, you know, we're all like that, right? We all have certain affinities for certain brands. And especially in the US, we identify so strongly with our cars. We have such a strong car culture and driving culture. That is where I found myself. So Audi it was. And again, I was talking to a friend of mine who was like, Audi, I would put in the same category as like a BMW or a Mercedes. And I was like, well, I don't know why, but my brain doesn't do that. So it's totally fine with me. And yeah. So that's really how I picked out the car. I wanted it to be an EV and I wanted it to have a head up display. And there were some brands that I just wasn't interested in. So I ended up with this car kind of by default. I also just at a high level really wanted a bunch of new features, really. The car that I have now, and we just, to be clear, we only have one car for two adults. I mentioned earlier, we're not a big driving household, although we are driving more, I would say this year and last year versus years past. Of course, a lot of people cut back on driving during the earlier pandemic years. And before that, I was more of a public transportation user, but I'll talk about that. I'll I'll get to that. But in any case, we had this 10-year-old car and anytime I was in someone else's car, I was like, oh, this is so cool. Oh, you have a navigation system. Oh, you have a backup camera. Oh, it tells you if someone's in your blind spot. And even the features that we do have, like I was excited when I got the car I have now that's 10 years old because I had Bluetooth because the car before that that I was driving was uh, 2003. So I was like pumped to be able to have Bluetooth and then the Bluetooth like doesn't really work. So I definitely did not need a new car, but my older car just didn't have a lot of the newer features. It didn't have CarPlay and I just wanted a new one. So when I was looking around, I was excited for all the bells and whistles, which some of these might, you might be like, that is not that exciting. Like all cars have that and have had that for a long time, but I was excited for some of the safety features, like a blind spot notification where it lights up when someone's in your blind spot and we didn't have a backup camera. I think it's illegal now to sell a car without a backup camera, but my car was made before that rule went into place. And then I was also kind of excited just for, you know, just the fun features. The car I bought does have massaging 
king seats, which they're cool. It's not, I will say, it's not like sitting in a massage chair, like when you go to the nail salon or the ones you try at the mall at Sharper Image or something, but they're nice. And especially when I'm sitting in traffic or sitting in the car for a long time, I do think that I feel a little bit less stiff when I get out. It has heated seats and cooling seats and, ooh, it has the thing where like when you wave your foot underneath the, the part in the back, like the trunk part, it opens up when you wave your foot under it, which is cool. It also has a scenting system, so you can turn it on or off and select a scent that you would like pumped into your car when the, when the heat or the AC is running. <laughs> which is kind of cool. The only thing it doesn't have, I was kind of hoping for, and I for sure do not need this, but I was like, well, if I'm going to go all out, like I might as well buy a car now that it just has all the cool stuff on it. So I'm not wishing that I had something a year or two from now, like, oh, I really wish I would have gotten that. But it doesn't have self-parking and it does have one million cameras, which makes parking and parallel parking a lot easier, but it doesn't have the thing where you just take your hands off the wheel and it steers for you. That would be cool. The other thing it doesn't have that I kind of wish it had is just more buttons it has a lot of screens so it has like the regular dashboard screen it has the head-up display I mentioned it has kind of like a navigation technology screen in the middle and then below that it has another screen where all the controls for the climate control are which is a lot <laughs> and I kind of wish it just had a couple more buttons it took me a couple days to find the like the power button and the volume button to just change the music right away I thought it didn't have one and then I saw it because I'm still getting used to a car with do a million things I am really enjoying so far some of the face safety features it has automated cruise control so that's the cruise control where it'll stop and start like slow down if a car in front of you slows down or and then speed up again and then as a part of that too it has it has okay I'm still figuring it out (laughs) but it has a lane assist so it'll kind of like vibrate at you if you start to drift out of your lane but when you have the automated cruise control on it will actually keep you in the lane so you could take your hands off the wheel and it will just steer you as long as it can tell where you are like as long as it can tell what the lane markings are it'll just keep you in the lane I'm not trying to have the car drive for me but I have tested it and it was cool and it's just kind of nice to know that it's there so if I glance down to turn up the heat or something in the car. It's like an extra backup system. Obviously, I'm still keeping my eyes on the road when I'm doing that as much as possible, but it is nice just that it's there. And then the stopping and starting thing is really nice in traffic. I don't go to my office that much. I actually had to go a couple days this week, so I got to test out the new car quite a bit. But I usually go in once, maybe twice a week, some some weeks zero. But I don't love the commute. It's solid like 40, 45 minutes and having the automated cruise control on, I mean, lowered my stress and blood pressure measurably for sure. So, I mean, in a way you could say I purchased this car for my health. No, I didn't. I just purchased it because I wanted it, but I will, I will, I will find a lot of reasons to justify this purchase. Okay. So that's all the features. Let's see. I, I put a question box up on Instagram and I made some notes. So I want to try to make sure I covered everything. I didn't really consider buying a brand new car. I mean, I, I looked at it, but I, a couple reasons. One, I just have a mental block on buying a brand new car. The conventional wisdom has told us for a long time that it's always better to buy a used car than a new car because the car depreciates as soon as you drive it off the lot. Now I know that there was there have been times over the last few years the car market was absolutely banana pants interest rates were super low used cars were hard to find and the prices were really high and so I I think my point is that I think there were cases where it actually made sense over the last couple years to buy a new car over a used car maybe I, I didn't look that closely into it but people have said that and like if that was you I believe you that you did your homework and that this made the most sense I was gonna have a really hard time I've never purchased a brand new car 
I don't know if I ever will. And part of it's mental. Part of it is that this car was just a lot less expensive because it was a few years old. It absolutely depreciated like tens of thousands of dollars in the first couple of years. So I feel good about what I got and the price I got for it. So I paid around, it was right around $50,000. And then with all the like taxes and everything, and it was like in the high fifties. I don't, I actually don't remember the exact number, but that is the ballpark. The average price for a new car in the United States is about $48,000. I paid more than that for a used car, but it's super nice. It's like exactly the car I want. It has every single feature I want, except it doesn't park itself, (laughs) but I totally love it. And this was like a 70 or $80,000 car brand new. So I feel very happy and satisfied and like I made a good decision in terms of what I ended up purchasing. I looked around at tax rebates, tax incentives. So the federal tax credits changed a lot this year. And a lot of cars that did qualify for the tax credit no longer qualify for the tax credit. So do your homework there. I kind of went into this thinking like, oh, and I'm going to get this $7,500 credit. But that did not work work out for me. So, you know, I could have made a different choice, but again, my two criteria, well, I guess I had three criteria. One, I wanted a head up display. Two, I wanted a DMV. And three, I had some brands that I wasn't, wasn't interested in purchasing. So that kind of took me out of the tax credit situation. If like, if I could have bought the same car that I bought and maybe the tax credit would have made the prices closer. So maybe I would have ended up paying like five or $10,000 to get a brand new car rather than looking at a situation where I was going to pay 10 or $20,000 more to get a brand new version of the car that I bought. Maybe but that's not the route I went. So I think I think the tax credit situation, it sounds like it's evolving. I'm trying really hard not to give advice. I don't want you to be like, oh, well, I heard on this podcast that this is the situation with the tax credit. Like just I go find out. I have a friend who is very, very, very smart about cars and he and I were texting a lot. And so I did do my own Googling, but I also relied on a very smart friend. So. Okay, let's see. I'm looking at my notes. I told you the price, what I paid. And then someone asked, about negotiating. I looked around a lot at the pricing for this, you know, at similar cars that I was looking to buy and the prices were really consistent. Um, it's not like, like most dealerships were offering these used cars for about the same price and it was pretty predictable. The one, let's see, I've test drove a bunch. One dealership I went to offered $500 off for financing through them because they get a $500 credit or something. In any case, I probably didn't do as good of a job as I could have on the price there. I, I will, you know, again, like if you were looking for tips on negotiating a used car price, I am not the expert there. I did my best <laughs> to try to broker myself a good deal. And at the end of the day, I feel really happy about the car I got and I feel really happy about the price that I paid for it. I mean, would I have liked to have paid less, of course, but I felt like what I paid was fair. So I feel good about that. Now I do still have my older car. So my 2013 car and I'm planning on selling it. I think I am going to try to sell it privately. I didn't trade it in because I think that I can get more for it through a private sale. I've sold cars privately before and it's always been a really big hassle. (laughs) So I'm a little nervous about it. I guess I figure if 
I start going down that path and it turns into a huge pain, there's always options. There's companies out there who, who will just give you a quote for your car and you'll probably get a few thousand dollars less than if you sold it privately, but you can rid yourself of that headache. But I'm going to try. So I still have it for now. I actually, there is a little dent on the front driver's side fender that I want to try to get fixed or at least get a quote to see about getting it fixed because I think that the car might sell for more if I fix that. It has some other scratches on it that I don't think are as big of a deal, but it has a little crinkly dent where I lost a fight with a pole in a parking garage. So if I was buying a car, I mean, I wouldn't want that. So I'm going to do that first and then, and then I'll sell it and then I'll let you know. I think it's only, I think I could, okay. I went online to one of those companies that buys cars and put in all the information and I tried to put it in, in kind of a conservative way. Like when I asked for the condition, I was like bad condition and I asked about like how the body was and I was like, the body's bad. It's all banged up, even though my car's in like reasonable condition and it does have a dent and some scratches, but I don't think it's that bad. And I got a quote for $9,000. So I think if I fix that dent, and sell it privately, I would, I mean, I would think I could get at least $10,000 and I'm hoping I can get 12,000. So I will keep you posted. That also brings up how I'm paying for it. A very common question. I considered paying for it in cash in full. And I didn't do that because that would eat up a lot of the cash that I have. And I like keeping a lot of cash on hand. It just helps me sleep better at night. I like having a big cash emergency fund. So I had actually planned on putting down and on putting down a pretty big down payment of of like twenty or thirty thousand dollars, but the problem is, I went to go see a car, and then I decided I just wanted to buy it right then, and I needed to transfer money from a, a bank account to another bank account to make the payment, and that was going to take a while, and I just wanted to get it done, and I only had ten thousand dollars available, like that I could write a check for that day. So I made a down payment of ten thousand dollars. I went ahead and like did financing through the dealership. I don't have to make a payment until June, so I'm hoping I can just go in and put the rest of the money I was going to put towards the car, like just make another. 10 or $20,000 payment. And again, I know like I just hear myself talking very casually about throwing around 10, 20, $30,000. Like it's not a big deal. It totally is a big deal. And like, I get that a lot of people aren't in a position to do that. I feel really lucky and extremely fortunate that I am able to do that. So very, I feel like I'm making this more complicated than it needs to be. So I put $10,000 down. I'm hoping to go online and make another, like at least $10,000 payment, maybe more. I gotta, I gotta see how I feel. <laughs> And then once I sell the car that I already have, then I'll take that money and also put it towards it. And then I'm just going to try to pay it off quickly, right? So like my tax refund is pending right now. And I'm thinking, oh, great. I can just put that towards this car too. The interest rate was five something, five something percent. And honestly, I don't even remember the number of years because they were like, how many years do you want to do? And I was like, whatever the lowest interest rate is, I'm not going to have a car payment for five years. I am planning on paying this off relatively like I'm a little bit tempted to just pay it off right away <laughs> there, the last week too there was like an update in the market and I was like what if I just sold some stock to buy a car but I, I'm not gonna do that but I thought about it and I I mean I, I think the absolute worst case scenario would be I would be paying it off for two years but I'm, I'm I was also like maybe I'll just pay it off this year I haven't decided I will keep you posted that's what's going on with that I think that's all the actual details on the car what I actually thought was the most interesting part were the psychological loops oops 
that I made myself jump through in making the decision to purchase it. I went back and forth a lot. This is objectively not something that I needed. It is something that I wanted and I thought would make my life better. And I really do feel like I bounce back and forth between being in a really strong scarcity mindset of like, oh my gosh, I need to hoard money. What if I lose my job? What if we both lose our job? What if I get sick? What if we both get sick? What if we both get sick and we both lose our jobs? What will happen? And then on the other hand, I swing wildly to the other opposite direction. I'm like, I just want permanent Christmas lights on my house. What's a couple thousand dollars? I just want this Peloton rower. What's a couple thousand dollars? So that's a fun ping pong game that's always happening in my brain. But when I thought about it, you know, I really kind of had this moment when we got an initial estimate to get the dent fixed on our older car. Now this was to get the dent fixed and like all every scratch and basically make the outside good as new. And it was $6,000. And I just was like, I don't want to spend $6,000 fix this car. And I don't really want to drive around in a dented car anymore. So I guess I'm buying a new car or new to me. I've, there's a couple other things that have been rattling around in my brain. I I went from being a very rare driver to a medium rare driver. (laughs) So I spent a lot of time since 2020 working from home. I do now go into the office sometimes once, sometimes twice, sometimes three times a week. I'm just driving a lot more than I used to. And of course we only have one car. So that's just my driving. Of course, we both drive the car. We both have errands or occasionally going into the office or doing things. And before the pandemic, I was walking a lot more, using public transportation a lot more. You know, my commute was quite a bit different. And so neither of us had a driving commute pre-pandemic. And then we both shifted to mostly working from home. Now we are occasionally commuting and just driving more. And so it just made more sense to have a car that I enjoy being in more. You know, it's the same logic I spent, (laughs) I used on spending a bunch of money to buy a nicer house. This purchase was made during a time that we were both working from home and we're home maybe 97% of the time. So spending more time in the car means I just wanted to buy a nicer car that I enjoy getting into and feel really happy and good about. I also, it's funny, I was talking to another friend of mine who said, you know, getting a new car is nice for a week and then it's just your regular car and you get used to it. And I will say, so my old car that I'm going to be selling is a 2013. I bought it in 2015. So it was only two years old when I got it. And I like loved that car. And every time I would get in it, even still when I get in it, even though I'm annoyed at it because it's dented and it's older and it doesn't have all the stuff I want. I still get in it and I'm like, I really like this car. It's just really comfortable. I like the way the seat, the seats are like a cream leather and they just feel really nice and they look really pretty. And I mean, for years after I bought that car, every single time I got in it, I was like, yes, this car is awesome. And even now when it's not my favorite, I get in it and I'm like, I, I like this though. It's nice. And so I'm hoping that I keep up that same feeling. Like I don't want to spend a lot of money on something that isn't going to appreciably materially improve my life. And I do think that this car I also am very into the idea of having a car with lower maintenance, as I talked about. I'm also really into being an EV owner. I love the idea of driving a car that has a lower environmental impact. And yes, I know the manufacturing of EVs have their own environmental impacts to to wrestle with. But I heard about a study on the radio that they did in California that said, and I made a note. So there was a study in California that showed that for every 20 zero emissions vehicles and EVs don't have any tailpipe emissions. So for every 20 EVs on the road for 1,000 people, the number of ER visits due to asthma dropped 3%. 
which is amazing. And I thought, wow, I want to be a part of that. I want to reduce the number of people who have to go to the ER for asthma. Now, the downside to this is, of course, a lot of people who drive EVs, they're still very expensive. And part of the reason they're so expensive is that a lot of them are still sold new. They've just, a lot of the models have not been around for that long. So there aren't that many used ones, but it means of course that there are more EVs in wealthier neighborhoods, which means that people who are already wealthier are experiencing those health benefits more than people who live in less wealthy neighborhoods, which of course doesn't just have an income disparity. Of course, there's a racial component to that as well, but I want to be an early adopter here. Feels like the right thing to do. I say early adopter. I mean, the technology has been around for like 15 years, so not that early, but I heard about that study and it really motivated me too, to want to get an EV and to just be a part of the trend of cars moving in that direction. And it's something that I thought about, like a lot of people, I thought about range and I had my own version of range anxiety. The EV will be our only car. So we only have one car. I mean, right now at this exact moment, we have two because I haven't sold the old one yet, but we will be a one car household. And I was a little bit worried and maybe intimidated by charging. But once I started looking into it, I was like, oh, easy. I will say the one thing about my car is it does not have a huge range. I think there are Teslas and other cars with 300 plus mile ranges. Mine maxes out right around 200 miles, something like that. But I don't drive that much in general. I generally get gas only once, maybe twice a month anyways. So I'm, I think I'm estimating that I'm driving maybe 400 miles a month. I'm not actually going to have to charge that often. I have just been charging in my garage with a level one charger. So if you don't know, there are three levels, excuse me, three levels of charging. Level one is just plugging into a regular outlet. It's really slow, but if you don't drive that much. It's perfectly fine. So I think my car in the level one charger, it charges somewhere between like two and four miles per hour, which is not that much, but let's say it's fully charged and I go out and I have a big driving day and I drive like 60 miles miles and then overnight the car only charges 30 miles that's fine because like I started with 200 and then I drove 60 so I got down to 140 and then it charged overnight 30 so it got back up to 170 so if I drive again the next day 60 miles then it would drop down to 110 overnight it would go back up to 140 you know you don't have to be fully charged every night you just have to replace the miles you drove that day or not deplete your battery more than you're going to be able to charge it over the next couple days I think I am looking at getting a level two charger a level two charger will take your car from like zero to charge in about 10 hours. Again, I don't even know if we need that, but I'm looking into getting the plug installed in our garage because it seems like something to have for peace of mind. Or there are level three chargers, which are commercial situations. You wouldn't put one in your house. It costs like $50,000, but these are essentially like a gas station for an EV and it can charge your car from zero to fully charged in about 30 minutes. And there's one pretty close to me. So if I get in a pinch, I can always go do that. But most of the time, if you have an EV, you're just going to charge it in your garage. Again, a good friend of mine has driven EVs for a lot of years now and said, I've never had anything besides a level one charger and I drive all the time. I've driven total of a hundred thousand electric miles on my cars over the years. And I've only ever had a level one charger. You just charge it overnight, just like your phone. And it's really not a big deal. Road trips big road trip person. We do actually have a wedding in Omaha. So we've got a little bit of a road trip this summer. It'll just be one day, but still. And I was looking online. It's really easy to find plugs. I downloaded the plug share app and just plotted out the places I was going to stop between here and there. The really nice thing about that app is that it has reviews. So you can see in real time, the last time someone used that charger. And so people will say, Hey, this one's down or it wasn't working or the one on the right worked and the one on the left didn't. And it helps you avoid any unpleasant surprises when you stop to charge. So I'll report back on that, but I'm not worried about charging again. I don't drive that much as a 
very worst case scenario, if I really wanted to go on a big road trip and I was really worried about it, I could always rent a car for that trip. But I think I'm not a, I'm not one of those people trying to like make really good time, right? Doing the six minute pit stop to get gas and use the bathroom and grab a Slurpee and get back on the road. I don't mind stopping for 30 minutes and stretching my legs and having a snack and it's just not going to bother me. So that's how I feel about that. I think that that is everything that I have to say about this car. <laughs> I really like it. I'm feeling good so far. This is how I get with purchases. I I think and I ruminate and I ponder and I make pro-con lists and then it just snaps. I'm like, okay, decided. Let's do it. And then it happens quickly. So that's how I am about everything from like a toaster oven to a car to a house to <laughs> exercise equipment. I think and I think and I think and then I'm like, okay, all right, decided. Like it's like at the timer goes off, it's like ding and then off I go. So that's all I got. If you have any questions about that, if you've listened this long, thank you for listening. And I hope it's interesting. I love learning about other people's big purchases and especially the mindset part. Like what were the pros? What were the cons? What was holding you back? What made you decide to make that decision? And I love hearing about other people's stuff. So if you went through any of the same jumping through hoops to make a big purchase lately, you just let me know. You know where to find me. And otherwise, I will talk to you later this week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Have a have a great day, a great week, a great morning, wherever you are. Okay, bye. If you enjoyed today's episode, you have a couple options. You could just enjoy that satisfaction quietly and privately. Keep it to yourself. But and just an idea. You could also share this with someone else who you think would like it. Just a thought. You do you. <laughs>